Grand Canyon University's RN to BSN online degree program makes earning your bachelor's in nursing possible. Balance online coursework with local in-person clinicals to position yourself for potential leadership opportunities in the time you have from wherever you are. Leaving room for what matters. Achieve your goals with your personalized plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. Ahoy, and welcome to the Jolly Reader. I'm your host, Captain Book, and it's been forever. I think it's been a year, really, honestly, since I put something out. I'm going to spill the tea, I guess, on my life and why I've been MIA a bit. So, oh gosh, this is so awkward. Um, <laughs> Me and Josh separated, so there's that. Like, not married anymore. Whoops. Uh, it was really cordial. No, like, major betrayals or anything happened. Uh, Allie's doing really good. I don't know. Just kind of is what it is. And then because of that, I got a real job. I was working full time at Top Golf, which was really fun until you live in Nebraska and it's super cold. So I quit that and then I got this uh, desk job and that was fine. But I basically was like, I'm not being true to myself and I really want to do this. So I said, screw it. And I quit my job and I'm doing this full time. So I just like really appreciate everyone's support and the time I've been gone. You guys have been great. Downloads, messages. Love it. Thank you. Appreciate you. Also, I guess like I should just say, I look like trash right now. If you're watching the video, I, um, I'm just happy to be here really honestly. Like it took a lot to get to this point. So I have a boyfriend. I've been seeing someone for about six months. His name is Sean. He's adorable. Here's a picture of him and me. Oh my gosh, look at us. Oh, we're so cute. Um, so you'll hear me talk about him a lot. He's he's really great. Um oh, one more like kind of I don't know, stuff we need to talk about. I want to start a Patreon and I wanted to see what you guys would be interested in. I have lots of ideas for it. I was thinking um movies based on books or TV shows based on books, like Pretty Little Liars, even though that would take forever. Also like short stories, like kind of how I did The Most Dangerous Game. I don't know, book reviews. I could read the um, review, like Google reviews of books. I don't know. We could do pretty much anything, but I wanted to see your guys' opinion. I'm going to get that started. You can message me on any social media at the Jolly Reader Podcast. I also have a website, thejollyreaderpodcast.com, where you can um, contact me or whatever, and it'll send it to my email. So that being said, we are one year later going to finish the book series, A Good Girl's Guide to Murder. And we're on the third book, As Good as Dead. And it's broken into two parts, but I'm doing it in three parts because the book's really long. Just made more sense for it to be broken up that way. I will do my very best to recap the last two books real quick. So the first book... Oh my gosh, this is going to be hard. Okay, so I can't even think of her name. Andy Bell, she goes missing. Everyone blames Sal Singh, her boyfriend. He kind of does like the suicide note situation text message dies in the woods turns out that her sister kind of roundabout accidentally killed well Kara and uh what's his sister's name naomi's dad was having an affair with her and he like accidentally she hit her head whatever and then when she went to her sister her little sister becca she just kind of let her die i don't it was a whole thing you guys listen to it anyway Sal didn't do it. Whatever. And then the second book, Jamie 
I can't remember his last name, Connor's brother. He went missing. Turns out Stanley like abducted him essentially because Stanley is child Brunswick, which was the son of a serial killer. And Charlie Green, who was Pip's next door neighbor, his twin, I believe twin sister, maybe little sister was a victim of it. So he killed Stanley, blah, blah, blah. Um, Pip held him dying in her hands. That was not quick at all. I'm so sorry. Go back and listen to the episodes. Uh, it's a whole thing. So things to look forward to in this book, which is As Good as Dead by Holly Jackson, are stick figures, pigeons, and a stalker. Okay, real talk though. This book is not that good. Like it's, uh, I don't want to say that, but like Pip's on the struggle bus. That's actually my first note. She's like crazy. Like she always hears like the sound of the gunshot and she feels like the breaking bones uh, because she was giving um, Stanley CPR or whatever and the blood on her hands or whatever. So throughout the book, she talks about like someone knocked on the door and all she heard was the six gunshots or five or whatever it was. So that's something that you have to read for yourself. I would suggest reading this book series. So I'm I don't get too much into that unless I think it's relevant. I'm trying to stay with the meat of it. Anyways, forget it. Let's get into it. Part one, chapter one. First note, Pip's on the struggle bus. She sees Stanley's dead eyes everywhere and is still hearing the gunshots, like I just explained. Her dad takes her to Fairview, the train station, because they're having a meeting, and they're parked at the train station. She can see, like, the exchanging of money, blah, blah, blah. Stanley, dead eyes, six gunshots. It's so stupid. Anyway, so her dad snaps her out of it but he doesn't realize that she's having like so many issues or whatever so once they're on the train she thinks she sees charlie green so that's her next door neighbor that killed stanley because he's on the run he never was captured or whatever she thinks she sees him twice it's not him obviously flora that was charlie's wife she turned herself in a month ago it says four weeks what's the difference anyway in minnesota but she doesn't supposedly know where charlie is but there's rumors that he crossed the border into canada which duh they get to this meeting with Roger, who's Pip's lawyer, and um, he also works at the law office that Pip's dad works at, but he, I'm pretty sure it mentions um, that the dad does um, like commercial property law and stuff. Anyways, there's a defamation case against Pip. I'm pretty sure this is from when she... What is the word I'm looking for? When she like broke the windows and stuff of Max's house and like I think she spray painted something on his wall. I, I honestly can't remember. Anyway, they enter the room and sitting across her is Max Hastings, like I said. Chapter two. So Max is, oh, <laughs> my first note says this is the whole thing. So Max lawyer is Epps. That's his last name, who is also his trial lawyer in the last book because remember he was on trial for like raping Becca and all that, but he got off like as innocent, whatever. So the mediator explains the purpose of the mediation. They want to come to an agreement so it doesn't have to go to court. Duh, that's a whole point of mediation. So Pip talks a lot about Max's obnoxious blue water bottle. I said, not sure if that'll be relevant eventually. She really does talk about it, like throughout this whole section, like he's out running and he's always has a stupid water bottle, whatever. She sees him in the morning, they cross paths while running. So Max's lawyer basically is saying that Pip said a false statement on social media. She has over 300,000 followers, goals, you guys. And this has prevented Max from getting a job, I guess whatever. Also, he still has to live at home with his parents because he's not making money, blah, blah, blah. And his parents live in fear because their house is vandalized, but they can't prove that it was Pip. They just assume it was, which we know it was. And Pip's lawyer hopes that Epps is not suggesting that Pip was responsible for the vandalism, 
the Max's lawyer, Epps, says no, but there is a connection since a vandalism happened just hours after the statement was made under social media. I think this is when he, she like said he was a rapist or whatever. And I'm pretty sure she uploaded like the phone call she has with him saying, you know, Becca, like you raped Becca, didn't you? And he was like, shut up, blah, blah, blah. Anyways, so Pip has a outburst, one of several during this mediation where she calls Max a rapist. And then Epps reminds the room that Max was not found guilty or found not guilty on all charges. And Pip's lawyer says like Pip's tweet, like they read it, I guess, and says, I don't care what the jury believes he is guilty. What she's trying to say, like, she posts an opinion, not a fact. That's, like, their defense. Like, she believes he's guilty, but she's not, like, slandering. I don't know. This is all a whole thing. It takes forever. It kind of doesn't come back around. I'm assuming it will eventually, but here we are. So, Epps also believes that the audio file was doctored, which we know it wasn't. Pip freaks out about that. Epp continues to say they're seeking $15,000 in damages for lost wages over the last three months. And in addition pain and suffering so a total of twenty three thousand dollars and pip's lawyer finds this ridiculous and epps uh interrupts and says that they're willing to lower the cost if this statement is redacted and an apology is issued on her social media pip deleted the post weeks ago but epps wants her to release like a public statement saying that she was wrong and fully admitting she doctored the audio clip or whatever so pip replies with f off clearly because what other responses are for that? So Pip says if she admits the wrongdoing, he'll lower it to $13,000. That's still like a ridiculous amount, which is what Pip's lawyer says. So Epps offers 10000 and then Roger, that's Pip's lawyer, says 5000 and then Max nods his head, whatever. So the offer's at 7000 in conjunction with a apology and redaction. I swear this speeds up. Like, holy cow, no one cares. But anyways, Roger begins to speak and Pip interrupts him saying, no deal. Like, I don't even want to deal with it. Um, she's not going to retract her statement because it's not a lie. And she's like, here's the thing about suing me, Max. Basically, we'd have to go through like a whole trial with the same witnesses and it wouldn't be criminal charges, but everyone would know that you're truly a rapist or whatever. And the mediator offers for them to take a break and Pip's like, nope, I'm done. I'm out, whatever. And Epps catches her in the hallway and like gives Pip his card and says he won't be filing for a month or so. So they can think about like the offer. And he also gives her some advice and he says he's seen people in self-destructive spiral and he warns her that she will hurt herself and everyone around her. So she should turn back while she still can. And Pip says she's willing to destroy herself and lose everything to destroy Max. And she walks out here like hearing the six gunshots or whatever. So like before we get to the next chapter, this is kind of like the ongoing thing that's hard to explain that I'm not going to get like too much into as we move forward. But she... She is like in this spiral and she only cares about destroying Max and she does not care who her- she hurts or whatever, whatever. And then she's always hearing the gunshots and stuff. Chapter three. Ravi and Pip are hanging out at her house and he's the light in her dark life, blah, blah, blah. Who cares? So like the important part is Ravi's joking and he calls Pip a perv. Josh, that's Pip's little brother, asks what that means, like what a perv means. And Ravi's just like, oh, when you watch people in a creepy way, like whatever. And Josh is like, oh, like the guy who's been watching our house. And this is like completely dismissed. They're like, no one's watching the house. I'm like, uh, what? Like, that's important information. That'll come back around. I said at the moment, though, I'm thinking like an undercover detective or something or like a private investigator. But I don't know. I'll get into it later. So Pip's going to meet Ravi's family at some point. She's been taking notes, blah, blah, blah. Who cares? It's just like progression in their relationship. So Ravi leaves and Pip gets out. This is so 
messed up. So she gets out her six prepaid phones that she's hiding in a fake drawer. It's like her desk drawer. And then there's like a fake bottom. Then she lifts that up, whatever. And she texts one of the numbers that the only number she has saved. And she's like, can I come over now? And she swears this is the last time to herself. And then this person replies, yes. We figure out what it is. It's kind of obvious, but here we go. Chapter four. She tells her family she's going out for a run, but she ends up at Luke Eaton's house. So that's um, Nat De Silva's now ex-boyfriend, but they were together like the whole last book. And then like, obviously he was a drug dealer. So long story short, he sells Pip Xanax. And then he also offers to sell her roofies or roofinol or whatever. And Pip gets pissed and she's like, well, are you selling to Max or whatever? And Luke's like, I don't ask questions, nor do I answer them. So get going, whatever. But like, she comes to the conclusion, like Howie, he, he was arrested in the last book. So like, he can't be the main dealer. So like, if Max was getting roofies still, it would have to go through Luke. But like, my opinion too is like, don't you think Max would be kind of laying low right now? I would, idiot. So... Pip's like freaking out over the thought of Max drugging girls again. She stumbles behind a tree, like on a run or whatever, to take a pill, uh, Xanax or whatever. And then her neighbor is out walking a dog and Pip's like, oh, I was just running, whatever. It's a whole thing. But Pip apparently, like after the incident was like after Stanley died, she was prescribed Valium. Val Valium? Am I saying that right? Whatever. We all know what it is at some point. But the doctor said she needs to find her own coping strategies because the pills will only make it harder for her to recover from PTSD. But Pip is very convinced she needs the pills. Also, like she's, I don't know, 17 or whatever. She literally watched a man die in her arms. And they're like, yeah, you could only have like anxiety meds for like a month. That's bizarre. That doesn't make any sense to me. Anywho, she, Pip talks about Charlie Green a lot. Basically, she would kill, like, for her little brother if, like, she understands why Charlie did it. Like, if someone abducted her brother and murdered him, she would go after him, whatever, whatever. And she needs Charlie to be found to help her through her feelings because she thinks, like, he would understand, help her fix things. It's so stupid. So, anyways, back to reality. Pip feels like someone's watching her. They aren't, or, like, we don't know because she just says she doesn't see anyone. And then the pill will take her away soon so she'll, like, feel better because she got her Xanax. Okay, corner, corner. This is my favorite thing. So it's corner, like a person that like cuts open dead bodies, corner.com because it's like a blog or whatever. I love it. So this is the whole thing, but it's like, how do pathologists determine time of death in a homicide case? Uh, I said might be relevant later, but I'm not going to bore you with the details, but it goes over rigor mortis, six, 12 hours, li- liver mortis, two to four hours, and algor mortis, which is like the temperature of the body because your body loses heat after the death, so that's how they estimate the time. But uh, obviously, environment, age, sex, other factors contribute. Honestly, like I, it's more detailed, but I will go into detail if, if and when it becomes relevant. Chapter five. Not sure why I said it like that. So Pip is looking at pictures of dead bodies on the internet <laughs> because... I don't know. That was like a really random note just to be like, yeah, she's doing that. But anyways, her mom walks in like, what the heck is going on? And Pip explains that she's going to do like season three of Good Girl's Guide to Murder because the first season obviously was the Andy Bell. Second season was Jamie Reynolds. And then now she wants to do another season. Also, I think I'm not sure if this is mentioned, but I'm pretty sure it's talked about like, so if she is going to have to owe money, like she needs to make money. So her podcast is a good way to do that. Anyway, it's going to be about a Jane Doe. This Jane Doe was found by the Hudson River nine years ago. 
later pip explains that she wants to take the case because it's black and white like there's a bad guy there's a good girl good person good girl whatever victim and they need justice and I, or whatever i don't know it, this is like spoiler alert she doesn't end up researching that case so it's dumb unless it does come back to connect somehow but she like ditches that idea later anyway pip gets another message i don't know why i say another because another because I don't know. We talked about it, but it says, who will look for you when you're the one who disappears? And I don't know. That comes back. Like she keeps getting these messages on Twitter and she gets text messages later. Anyways, that's like the whole thing. Who will look for you when you're the one who disappears? So then she just like in this section, she goes through each person to try to decide if she thinks it's like they're guilty or not. Like if it's black and white. So like Elliot Ward. So that's Kara's dad. He's in prison for life. She doesn't think he's a danger and doesn't fully deserve it. Like I beg to differ, but circumstantially, like, he made bad decisions. Max Hastings, like, she hates him. He's a monster, whatever. So, obviously, bad guy. Becca Bell, she got 15 months, I'm assuming, for hiding the body and kind of killing her sister. But anyways, Pip and Becca talk every day. I'm not really sure why. I thought that was kind of weird. But she thinks anyone could do what Becca did if they were put in a similar situation. I disagree. But anyways... She literally murdered her sister and then hid the body. I don't know, like, because she was roofied by someone else. Not really sure how that goes. But anyways, Stanley's more of a gray area. Like, she doesn't think he should have died, but, like, also he was child Brunswick, blah, blah, blah. Charlie Green, her next door neighbor, also gray area. She, like, weirdly idolizes him. I don't know. That's super weird to me. And then Pip thinks that the Jane Doe case will cure her. And it says read page 39, which now I'm not sure is super relevant, but we're going to do it anyways. I don't have my post-its today either. Okay, so an unknown woman between 20 and 25 found naked and mutilated near the Hudson River. No one had looked for her when she disappeared, never claimed, so never missed. It couldn't have been clearer. This woman deserved justice for the things done to her and the man who had done them. He could never be anything other than a monster. No gray area, no contradictions, no confusion. Pip could solve this case, save Jane Doe, but most important point was that Jane Doe would save her. One more case would do it. Put everything right, just one more. So that's like her whole point of trying to research. Chapter six. So Pip goes for a run and she sees a drawing on her driveway and it's chalk drawings, which I don't really understand because they say like they're easily blown away. I don't know if you've ever had chalk, but it will stick on your driveway even after the rain. But anyway, it looks like stick figures without heads. It's just like the arms and the legs and the body obviously and she's like kind of doesn't think anything of it like she's a little paranoid but she's like i don't even know what to think of this so she goes to this cafe that Kara works at now and she meets ravi he tells her that his family loved her and like blah blah blah. she met them the night before who cares character development who cares so she talks to Kara, who's supposed to who was supposed to move away like the grandparents were supposed to like take her blah 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 we talked about this last book but she decided to take a gap year and then naomi found a job nearby so like, instead of moving with the grandparents, they just, like, stayed in town. Not sure if they're, like, living together or what the situation is, but they're there. So, that's all you need to know. And then Kara has a new girlfriend named Steph. Not sure if that's relevant, but there it is. So, Kara spills the tea about the drama that happened in the morning at the cafe. So, Max Hastings came in, and behind him, Jason Bell also came into the cafe. And at this point, like, Pip kind of goes on to explain how Max is, like, the cornerstone. He pretty much caused the events of both the books by drugging Becca. Like, if he didn't drug Becca, then I feel like Andy would have still died. I don't really know how that is relevant. But, like, they wouldn't have to frame Sal, blah, blah, blah. And then the whole Jamie uh, Child Brunswick thing 
I don't know. She like goes through it. Whatever. She thinks Max is the main problem. So back to the drama. So Jason runs into Max, like bumps into him and Max spills his drink all over him and they get into this like semi shoving physical altercation, but it's broken up by the manager. I don't know. It was supposed to be like a whole thing, but Naomi has been thinking about just telling the police about the hit and run. So at least Max would go to jail for like a little bit, but Pip's like, that's a stupid idea because you'll get in trouble. He'll only get a few months. It's kind of pointless, whatever. So then Connor and Jamie walk in. They're like kind of just trying to bring in all the characters from the previous books to be like, hey, they still exist and blah, blah, blah. So Jamie is going to be a paramedic. And then Nat walks in and they kiss. Super cute, whatever. Happy, whatever. Who cares? So Pip tries to remember that there are good things that happen in this town. Chapter seven. Pip goes for another run. It rained the day before, but the five headless chalk figures were back. But they're not in the same spot. They're like moving up closer to the house. Then she sees a headless dead pigeon in the exact same spot as the last one from the very beginning of the book with her dad. I don't, I feel like I mentioned that, but there's a pigeon, whatever. Um, she calls her mom, but her mom's pretty like dismissive. It's like, uh, neighborhood kids playing with chalk and cats bringing dead things. Like, get over it. They go inside for dinner and Pip wants to take uh, another Xanax, but she needs to be normal for dinner because her mom's getting suspicious or whatever. Pip checks her phone. Ravi's talking about something pointless about pizza toppings, whatever. And then there's an email from Roger. That's the lawyer or whatever. Wanting to talk about the offer made at the mediation. She's like, over my dead body. Uh, not a flattering choice of words there, Pip, but okay. And then Pip also gets an email like on the podcast email. And it says, who will look for you when you're the one who disappears? P.S. Remember always to kill two birds with one stone. <laughs> chapter eight so pip's like clearly losing it because she's like there were two dead birds at my house like this person like clearly put these here so she's like this is so weird so she's like in her room she's hallucinating that she's in the burning building where stanley died and she like somehow gets into her bottom drawer and takes a pill to like calm down so then she goes and searches her emails to see all the times she received messages about you know who will look for you when you disappear and she also looks on twitter because she remembers there's a message like that on there too And then there was a Twitter message when she announced the second season of Good Girls Guide to Murder, the disappearance of Jamie Reynolds, which was three months ago. So this is like the first time that she can remember that this started. And then she also talks about like she at one point had received an envelope with her name on it, but it was empty and they kind of thought nothing of it, but it didn't have like a postmark or like a return address or anything. And then shortly after that, she got a letter from Max's lawyer and then um at stanley's funeral there was a bouquet of roses like kind of shoved in her driver's side mirror and all the heads of the flowers were picked off so like the headless stick figures or whatever but at the time she assumed it was one of the protesters because everyone was mad that stanley was like being buried there so she's starting to think of all the instances that may be connected and she makes a spreadsheet super fun anyways how often they're happening what's actually happening just so she can like kind of lay it all out and she concludes that like when people say disappeared that usually means dead you know most people don't come back from being disappeared and then she's called for dinner so the potential stalker incident spreadsheet is on page 62 if you're following along i can post it on social media you can look at it but it basically describes all the things i just talked about chapter nine so pip's still majorly going off the deep end and she sees Max running like she does in the beginning of the book. And they're like, she crosses the street 
because he's like on one side of the street she's on the other and she elbows him in the face and breaks his nose and like punches him and then she pushes him in front of a truck and he explodes okay so obviously this doesn't happen like she's hallucinating with rage i don't like this because this gives me we were liar vibes it's like just tell me what's happening don't i don't know they made it seem like oh this is what's actually happening like we know she didn't push him in front of a car anyways they pass each other on the run no consequence like nothing happens Pip gets to this light post that's burnt out and then that's like the spot in her run where she usually slows down to walk to go home and on the sidewalk and it's like not in front of her house but she can see her house from where she's at so it's like down the street there's chalk written on the sidewalk says dead girl walking so like Pip takes a picture of it to like document it and then Ravi pulls up into her driveway so she tells him about the chalk message and he's like obviously concerned he's like you should go to the police it could be Max. It could even be like Charlie Green. And like they kind of go back and forth about it. But she reluctantly decides to go to the police, which is in the next chapter. And then they walk hand in hand back to the chalk drawing. And there's a picture of that on page 70, which I can also post that. Chapter 10. So Pip goes to the police station, talk to Officer Hawkins. He was like the main. He might be the captain. I'm not sure. But anyways, he was like the main police officer in the last two episodes whatever and she talks about her last experience being in the police station which was right after stanley died they had to like do her fingerprints and she was in shock and it's like traumatic like i said just like go read the book for this kind of stuff because it's hard to explain you just have to get it over and over to kind of see what she's going through but anyways she tells hawkins that she has a stalker and she shows him like the spreadsheet and explains everything and long story short, like, he doesn't believe her. He, he's like, how do you know all this is connected? Like, I can't, what am I supposed to do about this? How am I supposed to investigate this? And Pip loses it. And she basically reminds him about how all this stuff with Jamie, like, wouldn't have happened. And Stanley would still be alive if he actually, like, did his job because he sucks at his job and Pip was right the whole time or whatever. And uh, <laughs> Hawkins is like, well, what did you expect when you made yourself a public figure with this, um, podcast and stuff like you're gonna have people that send mean stuff thank goodness i have not experienced that too much yet but yeah he basically victim blames her it's so stupid but anyway he also says that jason bell who he sometimes plays tennis with or whatever has been harassed as well poor baby so anyways before she walks out of the police station he suggests that she makes a list of anyone who has a grudge against her and pip's like thanks for i'm like so glad you're gonna look into looking into it (laughs) I love the sarcasm. Anyway, she also says to him, like, as she's walking out, that Charlie Green was right and she hopes Hawkins never finds him. Because, like, Charlie at one point said, things should be settled outside the law because, like, police officers won't help you, blah, blah, blah. So Pip decides at this point to, like, ditch the Jane Doe research, which I have a bunch of exclamation points because this is, like, halfway through this section I was reading. And it's like, why did you even bring that up if we're not even going to deal with it? Like, This book is way too long, personal opinion. This is too long. Anyways, instead, she's going to focus on finding her stalker. And she's like, stalker bad. I'm goodish. Like, Ravi loves me. My parents love me. So I can't be all bad. So it's clear cut enough. And she believes that, like, no one will get hurt except for herself. So there's not, like, risk like there were in the last books or whatever. And then she slams the door on Hawkins and says, if I go missing, don't come looking for me. And then she storms out of the police station. She sees Daniel Da Silva which for some reason in the book, they call him Dan. That was kind of weird. But he like kind of looks concerned. He's like, are you okay? And she she just storms past him, whatever. So she makes a list of potential enemies, which is on page 82 and 84. I'll just go through them. They're kind of self-explanatory, but she has like little things under each one. 
So Max Hastings obviously hates her. Max's parents, potentially because she's ruining their son's life and vandalized their house, whatever. So Aunt and Lauren, that's her friends to start dating. But then Aunt's dad was like protesting Stanley's thing and said like, Jamie faked his disappearance and Pip was just trying to get views on her podcast and stuff. Tom Nowak. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Anyways, that's Lauren's ex. In the last book, he lied about Jamie's like whereabouts and stuff to get on the podcast. And then she like humiliated him on the pod. So he would have a grudge against her. Daniel Da Silva. She's obviously accused him like multiple times for stuff and outed him for like hooking up with younger girls. So I'm sure his wife wasn't too happy about that. Leslie from the Stop Shop and Mary Scythe, they were both protesters at Stanley's funeral. Jason Bell clearly does not like Pip because of everything. And Don Bell, that's the wife. So, like, I don't know if I mentioned this, but Jason and his girlfriend broke up and then he moved back in with Don. I, I don't know. Whatever. Charlie Green. Pip's like, I have to put him on this list, but I know he shouldn't be on the list. Like... He only set fire to the building while I was in it because he wanted me to leave Stanley. He wasn't trying to kill me. Like, he cares. He does not care about her. I don't know why she, like, thinks he's the greatest. But then she puts... Finally, she put Detective Richard Hawkins and she puts F him as just, like, her descriptor. And then she wonders if she's the problem because she has so many enemies and all these people hate her and she might hate herself. Like, yeah, duh. Uh, <laughs> I mean, some of them are trash, but at the same time, it's like, man, you do have a lot of enemies. So chapter 11, Pip wakes up from this like drug fueled dream. And in her dream, she's like placing a dead pigeon and making the chalk figures. So she's like, man, am I like losing it and doing this to myself? Anywho, so she's running low on pills and she knows she'll have to talk to Luke again. But she said this was the last time, but she always means it. And then she doesn't. Who cares? So she's trying to focus on finding her stalker and no more focusing on other people's cases like in the last books. It's her against them. Save herself to save herself. Like, it's a whole thing, but literary references and stuff, but it's kind of boring. Like, just get to it. Chapter 12. Pip's losing it again. I really want to go back and see how many chapters starts with, like, Pip is losing it. So she puts ham and bread out, like, on her driveway to prove that it isn't cats killing the birds because cats like ham and birds like bread. I don't know. And she's like, staring out her bedroom window nonstop, hasn't slept, like isn't blinking. And then Ravi comes over and Pip like flips out and is like banging on her window because a crow's taking the bread and she wants to attract pigeons, obviously, like whatever. And Ravi's like, okay, you need to chill. You need some fresh air, girl. Let's go for a walk. So while they're out for a walk, they're just like in the woods, whatever, who cares? Lauren's dog, Rufus, comes running up to Pip and Pip's like, petting it or whatever and then it goes down lauren's like dog get back here we don't talk to psychopaths so pip is like kind of being a psycho and she makes like a comment about them wanting her to disappear she's like yelling at them like you just love if i disappear she's trying to use that word to see their reaction to see if they're like sending the messages or whatever because uh what's his name the boyfriend aunt he like is a prankster and takes things too far or whatever and he's mad at her so she like kind of want to see they don't react they're like you're a psychopath you're so weird so then pip accuses them to going to the reporters because like there was anonymous thing that accused connor and jamie and her orchestrating jamie's disappearance for views obviously and aunt says that like it it escalates or whatever but then aunt's like stanley deserved to die and pip's like uh i want to freaking murder this guy for saying that like he has no idea that was out of pocket whatever so ravi pulls her away and aunt and lauren like go the other way and then 
Uh, Ravi and Pip walk some more and they're laughing and flirting and whatever and they get back to Pip's house and then Ravi freaks out and he sees three chalk figures. They're like the headless figures and they're almost up to the house now. And then Pip's confused because there's always been five figures. Like that's how the game is played, whatever. So she looks around, she finds two more like kind of behind this flower pot drawn on the brick going up the wall of her house. And Ravi's confused on why they're out of the way and Pip explains they're coming for her. And I said, I'm still confused, but whatever. Picture of the Chuck figures. Third instance is on page 99. I'll post that, etc. Chapter 13. Ravi asks if she's okay. <laughs> uh, she says she's okay, but like, guy, obviously she's not okay. Like nothing. She watched someone get murdered three months ago. So Ravi's like, <laughs> Ravi's like, you're my person, my little one. Barf. Okay like pause for a second because i need to talk about this so ravi is like i don't know how old he's in college though so and he's above drinking age they talk about him having a hangover so let's say he's 22 pip is like 17 or 18 fine but they've also been dating for like two books and then like i don't know it doesn't super the relationship like it's cute whatever but it also doesn't super sit right with me and then he calls her his little one i don't like that anyway So Pip goes on and on about how the stalker is clever because no one would think anything about what they're doing. Like pigeons are killed by cats or birds. Like, you know, I found one in my yard like not that long ago. And if if this person was putting like dead dogs or cats, that'd be more obvious because you don't just find those like on your driveway. And then like chalk goes away in the rain. And then the dead girl walking chalk writing was not in front of her house. So how can you say like that was specifically meant for Pip? And then Ravi and Pip conclude that this person probably had stalked people before because they're so good at it. And then like statistics say it's unlikely to be a stranger. And they do like a a Google. This is so weird. So (laughs) they do a Google search and they're just like chalk lines, pigeons, stalker at Fairview. Okay. I can't say I wouldn't do like a random Google search like that, but like still. So an article pops up and it's from, oh, it's called the DT killer we find this out later, but DT stands for duct tape. It's still at large after claiming fourth victim. And this was in 2014. And I'm pretty sure this is like present day, this book. So like 2020 or whatever, 2019, probably pre-COVID. Okay. Like so like super side note, I wonder if books are going to start being written like with COVID lockdown and stuff in it, or if they're just going to like be like, this took place in 2020, but let's pretend nothing was different then. I don't know. Anyway, so they caught um the killer or whatever after his fifth victim and this happened around the same time like with the sal and andy situation we'll get into that more and the killer was called the stratford strangler because that's like the location i'm like he was at or whatever which pip talked about with stanley at some point because like stanley was doing like a anniversary piece on it on, on him being caught and i and i'm not sure if it was mentioned in the other book but that'd be like kind of cool like a little easter egg like how far out in advance this book was planned. But anyways, long story short, Ravi's freaking out about this. He's like, oh my God, there's a serial killer that wants to kill you. So then there's a Newsday article and it's called DT killer still at large after claiming fourth victim. So it lists all the victims. I can get into that. I can name them, but you should just like read it. It's like, I'm I'll bring it up if it becomes relevant, but whatever. So there's a police sketch. It looks like just some blonde, um, white dude, like whatever page uh 110 i can also post that and then the killer participated in trophy taking like a lot of serial killers do so a gold chain with an antique coin style pendant lilac or light purple padded shaped hairbrush like one you store in your um, purse a gold stainless steel 
Keio? I don't know. Whatever. Some sort of fancy watch. A pair of rose gold earrings and like with light green stones. And then there's like a criminal profiler in the article that basically describes Andy's dad. Like at the time, he would be in his early 20s to mid 40s. Okay, that's a range. High IQ, normal, unremarkable, like does not stand out in a crowd. Stable job, probably has a wife, maybe even kids or like a serious relationship. And the women were found in surrounding cities of Fairview. That would be like the comfort zone for the killer. But he lives in a town that's not mentioned, aka Fairview's not mentioned because they don't want to, like a killer wouldn't want it to be obvious. This is like pretty true about like any serial killer. They also say that he, the killer, hates women, probably abused animals as a kid and is controlling. We all know Andy's dad's super controlling, whatever. The sister and uh, Becca killed an animal. Let's just talk about that for a hot minute. But anyways, the sister of the last victim, she's like interviewed and she said there were chalk lines that looked like three stick figures. So the last victim would have been the fourth uh, victim. So it'd be the three previous people killed. That's why there's three chalk figures not the last victim, whatever. The fourth victim's sister said there was chalk outlines of three stick figures. So there's three people that died before her. There's five in total. So that's why they're saying like Pip is getting five now. We get into that later. They also found dead pigeons and they were getting prank calls like the victim. And the article just ends with a date of her memorial service of the fourth victim or whatever. Chapter 14. So... They point out, this is what I was explaining, that there were three chalk figures for the fourth victim. Now there are five figures and there's been five victims. So they that's why Pip thinks it's connected. The DT killer is in prison or like who they arrested for it. And he looks nothing like the sketch. And he was coerced. And um, he confessed to the crimes after the police interrogated him for hours and wouldn't let him sleep. And then once he did get some sleep, he like immediately revoked his confession. We get like way more into that in detail in the next two chapters. So they search for Billy Caras. I don't know how to say his last name. We're going to call him Billy. They search if he's innocent. And what comes up in the search result is a Facebook page made by Billy's mom. And she's asking for information saying how her son was like manipulated by the police. And Robbie thinks Pip should talk to the mom because his family would have wanted that with like the Sal situation. He would want people to like reach out and try to help. So long story short, Robbie and Pip decide they need to investigate chapter 15 so pip tries to call billy's mom she she like doesn't answer whatever and then one day she does answer and her name is maria (laughs) i think it's the best name ever so maria is excited because she thinks pip finally got her message that she like so i guess the mom emailed pip's podcast saying i think my son's innocent you've helped people before can you help me whatever pip does not remember getting this email but she just like goes with it so she can continue to talk to billy's mom so maria goes on to say that it was a false confession and the police fed him details of the murder and kept him up things like that she like is going to send pip transcripts we get into that in a minute i will explain like the feeding details when we get there so the police did say they had evidence against him And not only did Billy confess, but he also pled guilty in court. So like Pip's like, so how do you explain that? And she's like, well, he had a public defender. I didn't have money. That's like one of my biggest regrets. He thought he'd get like more leniency, et cetera, et cetera. So we find out that Billy was, was, I would assume, a heavy drinker. Now he's drinking toilet wine (laughs) anyways. And he would black out. So he couldn't exactly say where he was during the time of the murders because he honestly didn't remember. But also like anyone that's drank or whatever, like, I don't know. These are like really intricate murders. I don't know if I've explained it, but like 
The killer would wrap duct tape around the girls' heads and bind their hands and feet with, I believe, duct tape as well. And he would leave their nose open so they could still breathe. Like, he wanted them alive. And then he would eventually kill them by strangulation with a ligature. Like, I think they say a rope. I can't, I don't remember off the top of my head. But if you're drunk, like that drunk, like blackout drunk, you can barely like get a soda out of the fridge, let alone like kidnap, duct tape, murder, uh, seemingly sober victim. Like that would be a lot. But anyways, then they bring up that Billy also found the fifth victim. So he works for a grounds maintenance company and he was like, I think mowing or whatever, doing work. And then he saw the body on the edge of the property. So he like runs up to her and takes the duct tape off her face because he thinks like she can't breathe. And he tries to do CPR when he realized she's still not breathing. And he runs back to the hotel, which is like the maintenance, like what they were doing the maintenance on the whatever, like the grass of. And they think that's like kind of suspicious because he runs back to the hotel to call for help, but he did have a cell phone in his pocket. But he's like, in my chaos, I forgot I had a cell phone, which I think is valid because one time when my dad had cancer and stuff, he like collapsed and my mom was like so panicked. She couldn't call 911. She like kept missing the buttons. So she called my brother who had to call 911. But anyways, my dad was fine after that, but also rip. <laughs> um, So... It's common for serial killers to insert themselves into a crime, wanting to be witnesses, um, finding the bodies. Like, that's, that's like, not just true to the book. Like, that's something that actually happens. And, like, since he did CPR uh, on the victim or whatever, this would explain, like, if the police did find DNA, well, I did CPR. Like, that happens a lot. Like, guy pushes his wife down the stairs and they're like, well, why is there DNA all over? And he's like, well, I was giving her CPR. I don't know. That was a stupid example. You guys know what I mean, though. So... Billy also knew the third victim because she was his supervisor at his job. And then the duct tape used, um, he had access to at work. I don't know. I feel like there's not a lot of duct tape brands like, and it's not something that's hard to get access to. But anyways, and then um, whatever they used for strangulation, like the rope or whatever was also, he could have access to at work and basically everything, like what you need to know is everything's connected through Billy's place of work. So Pip's like, well, where did he work? So, I will tell you. Billy worked at Green Scene LTD, Connecticut. That's the, whatever, the cleaning thing. But there's a sister company, and it's called Clean Scene LTD, which cleans office buildings and houses and stuff. Well, we, like, come to find out, dun-dun-dun, that's Jason Bell's company. And if we remember, well, okay, so the final victim, the fifth victim, was murdered the same night that Andy was murdered, his daughter. And if we remember from, like, the previous book... He was at some sort of, I think it was like a dinner party or whatever, and he had to leave because an alarm went off at one of his offices or whatever. Real freaking convenient. But then also, Pip says this, but I think we knew this too. Daniel De Silva worked for Jason's company before he became a police officer. So like, he could also have access or whatever. And then Billy was probably like co-workers with Daniel, whatever. So... The mom, Maria, and Pip go on to talk about how the killing stopped after Billy was arrested. So how does she explain that? And the mom's like, well, killers usually stop when there's a life event, like having a baby or they move away. And I'm like, okay, or if their kid is dead or missing, like that would be a distraction. So Pip gets off the phone with Maria and then like, I don't know, she's just sitting there and her phone buzzes. And so she answers it and no one's on the other end. Like it's staticky noise, but no one's saying anything. But and then she's like, Cara, is this you? That's not funny or whatever. And then I think they just like hang up. But Pip remembers that the 
sister that was interviewed of the third victim said that her sister was getting prank calls a week before she went missing. So Pip's like, well, I have a week now because that's logical. I don't know. Pip is like not super likable in this book. It kind of bums me out. Okay. So Billy's police interview. The mom sends this to Pip. So I won't like drown you with the details, but here's like what you need to know. So the police try to imply that Billy had a crush on his supervisor, who was one of the victims. And he's like, no, she was just nice to me. And he's like, did she reject you? And that's why you murder her. And then they say like, since he was drunk and can't remember things, like how does he know he didn't do it? You could have done it. You were drunk. And I just already explained why that's in my opinion, very unreasonable in this circumstance. They talk about the trophies. So he's like, what did you take from the victim? Like this one specifically. So this was like the hairbrush in her purse. And he's like, uh, I don't know, jewelry. And they're like, no, no, not this time. It was something different. Something you keep in a purse. Something that you do your hair with. And he's like, a hairbrush? And they're like, what color? And he was like, uh, pink. And they're like, close, lilac, you did it. And then they were like, well, how did you murder the girls? And he's like, well, I suffocated with the duct tape, I guess. And then the police are like, no, you did something else. And he's like, did I strangle them with my hands? And they're like, no, close. Okay, yep, you did it. You put it with a rope around them. Good job. And then... Basically, it comes down to like Billy saying that he did murder them. He threw the trophies away and he just wants to go to sleep. So they're like, okay, we'll talk about this more later. And that's like the end of that transcript. It's like definitely leading the witness or whatever. Chapter 16. And we're ending on this. So it's super short. It's like a paragraph. Pip can't sleep and someone else can't sleep either. She receives a notification on Twitter. Who will look for you when you're the one who disappears? Bum, bum, boom. So, uh, lingering questions. I like, I don't know. Jason Bell did it, right? Jason Bell's DT or whatever. Like, that's what it's pointing to. Because, like, he has access to all the same stuff. He would know all the same people. He could have murdered the fifth victim at, like, the time Andy died or whatever. And because he, like, left that party and is, like, unaccounted for. And then um, he would have stopped because of everything going on with Andy. And he hates pip because she ruined his life whatever who cares so that seems too obvious and i'm gonna be very bummed out if that's the answer but i don't know and then i'm like kind of wondering if this jane doe situation is going to come around be connected or if that was all pointless it's i don't know anyways i said it's kind of slow so far so like i don't have a lot of lingering questions besides the obvious but i also like low-key don't know if pip and robbie are going to end up together because they're like i don't know they're cute but pip is like losing her brain so in closing, thanks for listening. Like I mentioned, uh, let me know what you'd want on Patreon because I'm really excited to get that started. You can find me on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube. I don't know why I said it like that. At the Jolly Reader Podcast. I also have a website called the Jolly Reader Podcast. Subscribe so you get notifications for when new episodes are posted. If you're on Apple Podcasts, please re- leave a review because it helps other crewmates find this podcast. Share with your friends. Tell everyone my favorite podcaster's back. I can't believe it um donate there's a link in the show notes that just helps me buy books and kind of keep things going and like i said i quit my job to do this so i'm trying to do my best here if you like secondhand embarrassment stay tuned for the outtakes i'm sure there's plenty because i haven't done this in a long time and i will text and i won't text you i might well, i don't know but anyways i'll talk to you next time for part two of what is it called good girl bad blood until we sail again this has been the jolly reader bon voyage Hey, you made it to the outtakes. Let's do it. Wow. We did it. I want to be the very best. Oh my gosh. Are you working? Oh, please be working.
Good Lord. I don't even know if this is a good angle. I hope I'm not disgusting. <laughs> Can you see my face? I'm not even looking like anything like a slob. Okay. <laughs> oh, gosh. It's been so long. Okay. Patchy. You ready? <clears throat> so, I guess. Oh, my volume is like very loud. Hold on. Try this. So, um, um, and I'll try to stop saying um all the time. Uh, hey, there's Chance. Um, don't you dare, he'll turn off my computer. Stop. Anyways, so that's Patchy's tail. <laughs> Look, there he is. Um, I pointed the wrong way. He's over there. But Pip says, or sorry, uh, uh, what's his name? <laughs> what are you mouthing about? Um, Hey, Sonny, Sonny, what the heck? Come here and lay down. So, hey, we're just kind of dog barking in the back. I'm like, that's just what it is. So, and then Josh, that kind of scared me, that noise. It sounded like someone belching, but it's really my cat messing. That really freaked me out. Okay, so anyways, um, can you guys stop wrestling? Um, hey, get out of here. Shh. This, and I'm going to go kick my dogs out of the room so we can do this next chapter. Hey, well, that was dumb. Okay. So, ugh. oh my gosh, my eyeball. So, I am Allie, and you are with me to my mama.